Welcome back to the Green Zone. Jamie is away until tomorrow. I am in the big chair. Well, it's actually not that big. I'm sitting in Los Angeles, California. It's comfy, but it's not a big chair. Gene Principe from Sportsnet, as I've said many, many times, and I did say it before Gene came on the air, that probably not only the nicest guy in hockey, but probably one of the nicest human beings you're ever going to have the pleasure and privilege of meeting, the one and only... Gene Principe joins us. Hello, Gino. Hey, Drew. I just recorded that so I can use it when I go and see events. Well, you know my reputation. <laughs> you know my reputation with Sportsnet and with the people in Edmonton. That might not get you that far, buddy. <laughs> well, yeah, it would have to be an out-of-town gig. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You come to San Jose, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How? What's going on in LA? Is San Jose there tonight? Tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, we're there. We're here tonight. It's it's raining. Um, I don't oh, know if wow. I've ever. I've never. I don't think I've ever been here in thirty plus years in the National Hockey League when it's where it's been raining in Southern California. They say yeah, it never rains what, in California. We did it. Same thing happened. I'm I'm twenty five years covering the NHL as a host for the Oilers, and when we were there, um, it was the week before Michigan was playing at the Rose Bowl, and right. uh, it was yeah, it rained. Uh, it rained after the San Jose uh, start of the trip, which was, I guess, just after Christmas. And, uh, yeah, it rained as well. So uh, you never know. Crazy things can happen, like maybe Corey Perry <laughs> signing in Edmonton. Well, okay. Well, what you brought it up, so let's jump on it right away. Uh, what You know, I've, I've often joked lately, since the Oilers have become who they are, that they're like the Maple Leafs in the in Canada. That every player who's out there, anytime, anywhere, are going yeah. is linked about coming to the Oilers. <laughs> did, yeah, did, I, I, you know yeah. what? You're right. Yeah. So I mean, you look at it and, and you think to yourself, okay, this one came true though. So my question is this: Number one, is it risky bringing in a guy? when your team is going so well and now is at the level where people thought they were going to be is number one. Number two, where does he fit in this lineup? Yeah. Well, you're right, Drew, you know, uh, and I'm sure your, your listeners know, but the Oilers have won 13 straight set a franchise record. They, they keep sort of climbing up to the point where the number of teams that have won this many games in a row uh, diminishes. In fact, uh, the team that was one win short of tying the Penguins, that being the Columbus Blue Jackets, are the next opponent on Tuesday night. And it shows you how things can change. That was 18-19 <laughs> when they, they won 16 in a row. And listen, I know you, you, we've seen San Jose uh, the, the best of in 16 when they made it to the cup final. And now we're seeing, I don't want to say the worst of, but this is what happens with franchises. It's hard to be good to really good uh, all the time. Uh, even the great ones like San Jose go through some turbulence. Um, yeah, you're right. They won 13 in a row. Ken Holland was asked that question. He's like, wait a minute. He goes, what, you know, when I'm not doing anything, you're like, why am I not doing it? And then I do something. You think, well, how does that affect the team? He said, listen, we're not going to win every single game uh, the rest of the year. This is wonderful. So I, I just see a guy that has almost 200 uh, NHL playoff games. Just, you know, um, so I, I, I can't pass up on a guy like that. Uh, they've done their due diligence, as you know, was uh, for personal 
reasons, not yep. professional, that his contract was terminated. Uh, they just felt he's the right guy at the right time because they did this two years ago, uh, almost, well, not quite to the day, but when they got Evander Kane, it was the January as well. And he, he came with issues or perceived issues that people felt like, well, how is this going to impact the room? Uh, I think when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, and especially if you're a forward, you're always <laughs> a leading candidate to get whomever that person is. And they got Corey Perry. He definitely slots in through more third, fourth line. This is 38-year-old Corey Perry, not yeah. 2007 winning the Stanley Cup. Corey Perry, but but he, he could also slide up. Uh, not, not maybe for a game or two. I don't think he's going to be in there for weeks at a time. But really, the Oilers signed him to, to help out a bit during the regular season. But the belief is that once the you know the postseason comes, uh, is when he does his damage. Uh, won a cup. He's been in cup finals uh, as well. So it's interesting. Uh, but Ken Holland's uh, and the team is kind of in the. They've always sort of been in the win now, but now they're doing the things that show you that they want to win now. And so Corey Perry seemed like the right guy at the right place and the right time for the others to sign him for a you know pro-rated end of the season, half a season deal. Gene Principe joining us from Sportsnet. Thank you, Gene, regarding that the Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in that dressing room. There was a time when I was there. Um, with you and, and the great Kevin Quinn is that that dressing room was fragile. I certainly yeah. don't get that feeling anymore with that team. Would I be right? Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. Just like, you know, when you covered the team and you were there every day, you knew what was going on then. And now, even if you're not there every day, you know what's going on now. And it, it's true. They, they've become this, and, and good Saskatchewan boy, Glenn Gullitson, you know, discussed <laughs> the fact that, uh, you know, we used to, panic uh and even even when they were winning there was a sense of panic late in games they were trailing uh and now they kind of just stick to their game plan and they continue to do what the plan says they're supposed to do and in this streak like connor had a five-point night versus philly leon had a four-point night recently not montreal that was on the road and and other than that, like it's Stuart Skinner's won 10 in a row, tie a franchise record. I think what happens with streaks is so many numbers. I think they've given up one power play goal during the streak. Uh, wow. They've allowed two or less goals, I think 10 or 11 straight games. So it's, they're, they're, they're not winning the way they used to win. So, and the power play isn't doing, you know, Drew, they were historical last season. So yes. all the things that, that, used to win them games are still a part of it, but not the biggest part of it. So I think that's what has them so excited that they, they feel like they continue to evolve into this team that builds and builds and builds. Uh, you know, in this town, I don't even know if a conference final would feel like a, a good season. I mean, it seems like it's a cup, as Leon said, cup or bust. And that, that sort of is the sense that I get. And relating back to Corey Perry signing, you're not signing him if you think you can win the cup without him. You must feel like you need him, and that's why they go out and do what they did today. Well, we know depth is depth matters, and Corey can play in the playoffs. So I asked this right at the start when we were talking about who's going to be on the show and you were coming on, and I, I mentioned 13 wins, 
13 win streak. When do we stop talking about this is a streak as opposed to this is who they are? This is yeah. who we thought they were going to be. Yeah, I think we're there, Drew, because you, you, you kind of, you're in the low single digits or mid single digits, five, six, seven, and you start thinking about the franchise record, which is nine. So you break that. And, and then you break the, the record for Canadian teams, which had been the Montreal Canadiens, which was 12. Now you're at 13. And now you look ahead to Pittsburgh when they had Lemieux and Younger in 92, 93 to 17. So I, I think this is who they are. You, you know, whether they lose tomorrow or Thursday, uh, Thursday they've got Chicago, Saturday it's Nashville, whether it's Vegas, uh, you know, the first, at some point ah. they'll lose and they might lose two or three in a row. But I, I, I think who they are is a team that will bounce back. And go four one and one in their next six or five one and one in their next seven. So that's, that's the club that they are now. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I, I don't think anybody realized the hole they had dug, uh, accidentally oh, yeah. by going two nine and one and then three nine and one before, uh, your good friend and a guy that I like to consider a friend who's, uh, in some ways a mentor, uh, to me when it came to his, uh, delivery of themes and yeah. motivation and inspiration in Jay Woodcroft. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's amazing. Like, they, they now have pushed the team you're going to play, the LA Kings, who were, what have they lost, 10 of 11 or something? 10 of 11, yeah. Like, who, and Todd McClellan, uh, you know, friend of yours, friend of, of mine, uh, more of a, a work companion, you know him more personally. I mean, Todd's got to be going, like, what what happened right when they had this right. unbelievable road winning streak? That's another thing. I think the Oilers have won nine in a row on the road. I mean, it, when you're streaking, there's all these <laughs> unbelievable numbers. But <laughs> the, the bottom line is, this is the team that, as you said, they are now, and they not only are showing it, but I, I, I feel like they they believe it. So when that loss shows up, whenever it is, they'll be able to bounce back quickly. Well, you know, Pittsburgh, as you mentioned, they've got 13 now. Pittsburgh in 92, 93, won 17 in a row. But there's another 17-game streak in 1992-93 that uh, I want to tell you about that was way harder than Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard you talk about it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They'll have to go through that again. only got a couple minutes, but and this may be a, 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 an impossible question to answer. But was there a because we saw each other early just before that loss to San Jose, and then they roll on and they they get their things going. Was there a game? Was there a a couple of games where you thought, okay, now they got it. It's the light is finally on. They're out of the old headspace and they're into where they are now. Yeah, I think, you know, Drew, uh, and, and I, I feel like, you know, when Zach Hyman talks about the new coach, he always goes back to say, hey, this is not a knock against the old coach because Jay was very well liked. It, you know, I think <laughs> Fernando Pisani was nearly a Stanley Cup hero for the Oilers in 06. We were texting and he said, how many coaches have you been through? And I went, you know, I've never counted. That's a good and question. I counted, and I was at 13. And, <laughs> you know, that, that includes some interim coaches. And let's not forget my first so I had Kevin Lowe, uh, Ron Lowe and Kevin Lowe, and then Craig McTavish for almost a decade. And, and then we get through the Todd Nelsons and the, you know, the Dallas Aikens and the Tom Rennies and Dave Tippett's, uh, Ralph Krueger's, lots of them. So um, I, I, I want to point out that Jay Woodcroft was maybe the fall guy, but I, I, I wouldn't really, you know, 
wasn't really his fault, but it, be, it emerged into his problem because he's the head coach of a team that's underachieving by, by everyone's standards, including his own. I, I think the new guy has, has given importance and meaning to, to everybody in the franchise and hasn't come in and gone, okay, you're doing it my way. Like, this is the way we're doing right. it. And yeah. I, I really, you know, that, that would be kind of a, a natural thing to want to do, but he, he hasn't. He's leaned on people who have more experience than him. He's made, as you know, Drew, with the team, everybody has to feel important whether you play five minutes or 25 minutes. Otherwise, those five minutes aren't going to be good minutes. And so I think he's done that. And, and I also believe, as do you and your listeners, that this team wasn't a 3-9-1 and team. They, would have, they no. would have emerged out of this. Would they have won 13 in a row? That, that's hard to predict. But they would have gone on a run. They would be either close to a playoff spot or in a wild card spot. They would have still been in the mix. I would say, you know, they lost two games in Florida. And I had a quick little story. Chris Knobloch, the new coach, uh, who's from Imperial, Saskatchewan. Uh, yep. He, you know, he's a local boy and uh, grew up being a Montreal Canadiens fan. In fact, he said that, uh, you know, he's a very calm guy. But in, in Washington, after they lost back-to-back games in Florida versus the Lightning and, and the Panthers, the Oilers were doing a little drill. It was a simple drill. And he blew his whistle hard and might have used an expletive. And he said, why are you blank offside? It was like a, there were no defensemen. There was no reason yeah. to go offside. And it's, it's literally the only time in two months that I've heard him raise his voice. And I think he got their attention kind of going, listen, guys, I am a nice guy, and I want to do something great here, but, but you've got to help me here. You've got to, you know, it was kind of like this is the smallest of details, and you didn't get it right. So what happens to the big details and the important yeah. moments of games? And I, I you know, I have never asked anyone specifically about that moment, but I really felt, Drew, that he got their attention, and they've been kind of rolling ever since. Like, you know, yeah. he has eight-game segments, and he's had two eight-game segments they haven't lost in. I mean, it's been – this has been unbelievable. And this week, listen, uh, you know sometimes it's more upstairs uh, than anywhere else. They've got Columbus, which looks like a winnable game. They've got Chicago yeah. – Looks like a winnable game. Nashville, not as winnable, but a, a team that they have beaten. So, you know, we see if they finish at 16 before the All-Star break, and then we roll the dice in Vegas for 17. But they've got some work to do before that. <laughs> Buddy, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on all the time. And uh, I miss you. Um, and hope to see you. Well, I don't see you until April. No. Yeah, well, well, we'll miss you too, and I always appreciate your analysis, uh, not only for the team you cover, but around the NHL. There aren't many people that I know of that are more plugged in with what goes on in the National Hockey League in 32 cities than you. Yeah, well, I try to steal it from a lot of people, including you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, <laughs> Okay. The great team, Principe, will be back on the Green Zone, 650 CKM 980 CGME. Coming up in the program at 4 o'clock, 4.05, football at 4 with Britton Gray. We're bringing on special guest Brett Lothar, just signed with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And he's going to come on and talk to us about why he signed for the three-year deal, what he thinks about the future of the Riders, a new coach, et cetera, et cetera. But also we'll talk to him about the kicking of the Buffalo Bills. But not only Buffalo Bills in general in high-pressure situations. I'm very anxious talking about the mind you have to have in – the high-pressure moments, winning a game on your foot. 
1-877-332-8255. That's the phone number because it's time for the Fan Free For All. And what you have to do is get on the phone lines to participate. The Green Zone. It's your phone call. 877-332-8255. We get to show them a real good time. Don't hold nothing back. This is it. The Fan Free For All. It is time for the Fan Free For All. one 332 8255 That is also the text line as well. Anything you want to talk about in the world of sports, anything that has grabbed your attention, anything you want to get off your chest, this is the time to do it right here on the Green Zone. Um, <laughs> I got to read you this dad text. And you know me, I, I've said this before, I love dad jokes. Dad jokes make me laugh. And the reason they make me laugh is because I know I'm going to tell it later to my sons who are 27 years old and it infuriates them because they always say, you're such a dad. And then I explain the dad joke to them as if they don't get it, which infuriates them more. Very few pleasures you have in life once you get to a certain age, but that is one of my favorite things. So I'm going to say this from Jr. Uh, from Saskatoon. However, he's listening to the show from a beach in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Very nice. Hey, Drew, I watched the NFC on the weekend. And the uh, <laughs> I watched the NFC on the weekend with emphasis on the quarterback play. I may field some goff for this hot take, but love is pretty good. one 877 Terry, combining two things with one massive tweet. Terry is not one who uh, is shy about using a lot of words to get a message across. Uh, Drew, you've been on the air so much, I'm running out of ideas for mean tweets. Not. He throws, an, he throws his not jokes in there all the time. Uh, you suck more at broadcasting than a brand new Dyson vacuum plugged into 220 instead of 110. On a side note... <laughs> I was listening to the CBS pregame streaming feed ahead of the KC game, and they were running a story about Travis Kelsey, who's going to retire, rumored, at the end of the year. And the speculation was that he and Jason, his brother, will do a commentary show similar to the Manning show with his brother on Peacock for Sunday Night Football. That is the rumor out there, because we know that Jason has retired, and Michelle Tafoya on the broadcast did talk about the, that her sources are telling her that Travis Kelsey will at the end of the season retire and they would be an alternate broadcast option for Sunday night football, the Kelsey cast similar to the Manning cast on Monday night football. She said she can't reveal her sources, but she thinks Travis is looking at retiring. Uh, the podcast that he and his brother do is extremely positive and extremely popular. And you could tell Travis, well, you could tell he had tears in his eyes when his brother announced on the podcast that he was going to retire. And they're very close. And he... Um, and Michelle Tafoya is not exactly, you know, this, she's not one to throw out these things and think, well, I'm just going to throw this out there and see if it sticks. No, that's, that's not what she does. So he's been playing since 2013, uh, 10th year in the, in the, in the NFL. 
two-time Super Bowl champion, four-time first-team Pro Bowl. He is sorry, nine-time Pro Bowl, four-time first-team All-Star. He's a great player, absolute great player. Maybe he feels he's done it all, and you know we we know of his relationship with the the Queen of Pop right now, Taylor Swift. Who knows where that's leading to? So. All kinds of rumors surrounding Travis Kelsey. I will say this. Travis Kelsey on his podcast has talked a lot about the fact that he has not played very well this year, especially near the, the end of the season. He had a hilarious tight when he was nominated for the People's Choice Awards of uh, Sports Athlete of, uh, Athlete of the Year. And he was disgusted he got nominated. He basically said, what the have I ever done this year? I've been terrible this year. He talked about everybody else. That's one of the reasons you watch that podcast because they are very, very honest about themselves and their play and the way things are going on in the league. So that's interesting out there as well. I want to get back to also what Gene Principe talked about. And I thought this was really timely. So Gene talks, just told us the story and you can catch Gene's interview and Again, I'll, I'll say it every time I talk about Gene Principe. Just an absolutely wonderful person. I, I love the man. And from, from a personal standpoint, I'll tell you this. And I'll, I'll just draw back the curtain a little bit. When I uh, was told to leave the San Jose Sharks, which I never wanted to do, I absolutely love the San Jose Sharks. And I'm glad I'm back. And, and it's, you know, it's been a majority of my life. I've been, my, my career, in, in hockey has been here more, more than the majority 1991 and I left three times and I, they brought me back four times. It's, it's been, it, it's one of the great privileges of my life and I've been really lucky. And so 2014, when they said they were going a different, different direction for broadcasting, um, I was out and I went to Edmonton with Sportsnet's new big deal. And I was grateful to Sportsnet for the deal. But I will tell you this, and you've heard me say it, I hated Edmonton. I hated being in Edmonton. The whole situation with the team was awful. It was so toxic there. It was ridiculous how poorly run the organization um, was perceived and how things were going. It just, it, it wasn't, it was not anything like I was used to. But, and I was... I was honestly despondent. Now, I'm not a guy that gets depressed or has mental health issues or anything like that, but I, but I was walking that line. If it wasn't for Gene Principe and Kevin Quinn, I never would have survived there. And I'm, that's not hyperbole. Those two men were lifesavers for me. So I have got all the time in the world for Gene Principe, and he, fortunately for me, he does too. He's a wonderful human being. And what you see on the air is what you see is, is what Gene is, really enthusiastic, guy who loves it just a great guy anyway um talking about the fact that in a practice on a drill chris knobloch blew the whistle rather forcefully and got after the guys for going offside on a drill that didn't have any defensemen and if you've not been around an nhl practice and you came and saw an NHL practice, I think all of you would be surprised 
at how an NHL practice lacks precision. One of my pet peeves in the National Hockey League is how poorly teams practice. I believe in my heart of hearts that precision matters, that details matter when it comes to sports, when it comes to coaching sports. One of them, who's, who's like on your team? Who would you consider the most important individuals on your team if you want to be a good hockey team? I would say it's goaltenders. You know how much goaltenders are considered when you're devising up a practice plan in the National Hockey League or any other practice plan anywhere? Uh, zero percent, maybe. Maybe a little bit more, like 1%. The drills for the goaltenders are ridiculous. Three on O's. Guys coming in the zone and passing the puck four times as they cross the blue line. When's that ever done in a game? Guys coming into the zone and making a pass from one side of the ice to the other side of the ice at the offensive blue line. When's that ever happened in a game without getting picked off and going the other way for a transition goal? The lack of precision in hockey practices drives me crazy. Football teams would be, they'd be offers in a season if they practice like NHL teams do. 1-877-332-8255. It, it is one of my biggest pet peeves, the lack of precision in, and the lack of game-like drills. Those flow drills that everybody, every coach loves. You know, every coach loves those flow drills, right? Because they look so good. You got everybody moving. We got we got seven guys moving at one time on the ice. That's awesome. No, it's not. And I, I go back to talking to George St. Pierre at the Warman Sports Celebrity Dinner that uh, we used to have. And I got the, the privilege of uh, going out to Warman and that great community and being able to talk to the athletes that I talked to. The One of the best ones was I sat down with George St. Pierre. And it was an honor because you know me in the fights. I love George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre talked about his loss after he wins the title against Hughes. And um, he loses his first title defense. And I asked him about that. And he said, <laughs> he said, I should have known. He said, when I was going up to fight Matt Sarah who was the ultimate fighter, everybody, ultimate fighter winner, I think season four, I think it was. He said, everybody was telling me, oh, you got this, no problem, no problem. And he said, my camp was easy. My training camp was easy. He said, I never have easy training camps. My training camps are harder than my fights because I want my fights to be easier because I have to work my tail off and I have to do things right. And he said, I slept like a baby before the fight. I wasn't nervous before the fight. He said, I'm always nervous before the fight. I never sleep well before the fight. And then he went in and got knocked out. And um, oh, I think it was the first round. It was like three, three minutes in the first round. But it's it, precision matters. And Sean texting in, Weyburn said, practice like you play, 100%. 1-877-332-8255. Let's go to Mick in Saskatoon. Regarding my question regarding Brock Purdy, Mick, Mick, I'm, I'm, I'm a Niner fan. I don't have to admit, I'm in that area. But I am worried about Brock Purdy 
uh, going up against this matchup against Jared Goff, who seems to be on a roll. It's it's going to be a tough one, yeah. But when you look at his stats as well, and for being the seventh pick, he is a solid quarterback. Um, this recent game, though, was definitely a hard one based off of the fact that they had practiced and relied on Debo as well Debo. with CMC and uh, Kittle. Oh God, I can't. Yeah, Kittle. Yeah. So Greenlaw yeah. being not Greenlaw, Debo being out on that shoulder injury really kind of messed up the game for us as well. We managed to pull that win out from air, though, thankfully. Well, Mick, I think you bring up a good point because the knock on Brock Purdy, Britton Gray's brought it up before, that knock on Brock was that when he's behind and when the Niners are behind, period, they don't seem to adapt well. In fact, their record says they don't adapt well. But he came through in the clutch with his play coming down the line, able to win that game with the winning touchdown. Uh, Greenlaw definitely pulled through with the miracle. Um, we are going to get to – I'm confident we're going to get to uh, the Super Bowl – this is our chance to get revenge on the Ravens. <laughs> Way back when. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're going to get well, there. Take... We have to get there. I've got a bet against the co-worker for extra shifts, so we got to win. <laughs> All right. We'll be thinking of you, Mick. I appreciate it. one 332 8255 A Niner fan in Saskatoon. There are, there are some of them out there. Definitely some of them out there, without a doubt. We'll be back on the Green Zone. 650 CKOM, 980 CJME. One of the great songs ever. Superstition by Stevie Wonder is also a good, I've said this before, there's a, there's a good uh, collaboration between the great Stevie Ray Vaughan and Stevie Wonder, where Stevie Ray Vaughan did, redid Superstition with obviously Heavy on the Guitar. Great rendition as well. Um, one of the great songs of all time. And then way back in the, whenever they did it, uh, it was on an MTV uh, MTV video they did together. Fantastic, fantastic rendition. It's the Green Zone coming up uh, just in a short time after the news at the top of the hour. Britton Gray is going to step in for Football of Four, but Brett Lothar is going to join us too, talk about the new contract, talk about the kicker's mentality like we saw yesterday and we've seen all season within the CFL and the NFL, and we're going to talk about the charity hockey game. The riders involve themselves in every year, and Ryan Getzlaff will be a special guest there as well. So let's go to the one-minute drill.